But if you look at actually who we are as humans and how we like to interact with uh, with other humans, this is very foreign to us, right? The, this whole concept of interacting through screens and digital market, that's just not how humans are built. So that's kind of at its core. And I think a lot of times people forget that because it has, you know, this technology has intertwined itself in our lives very uh, kind of fluidly. And so I think that's kind of the one thing that we need to, to recognize is that's, that's at, a, at a core, not how humans are built. Welcome to the Innovative Founder, the show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd. Welcome, everyone. Hello, all. Today, we send you warning that the robots are taking over the world. <laughs> they are writing handwritten. They are writing handwritten notes to all of you, and you yes. will not even know it. You won't know if it's a live human or some machine like Terminator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's funny that we're talking to uh, our guest today, Brandon, because uh, like I mentioned on the on, on the show a month ago, I was at it. I was at Perry Marshall's AI traffic conference, and uh, yeah. I didn't talk about any of those things. I talked <laughs> about. Uh, humanity and uh identity and yeah. tactile experiences and yeah. the the importance of art and in, in artistry and creativity yes and uh and it was it was actually very well received i think we've talked about it on the show before but um i just can't get past this idea like i love ai and you and i use it like every day and we use automated technology but you and I are just like, how can we add more humanity to what we do? You know, yeah. um, I mean, our process for creating video is very tactile. Like yeah. the, the, the thing that stands us, I think the thing that stands our company apart is the fact that we've made this choice to have a director on every video shoot. Yes. Um, you know, we could have certainly created a software tool, Brandon, that um, people log into and stare into a camera and and create content but it just doesn't compare to talking to another human even if right. they're two thousand five thousand miles away some of our clients just being able to answer a human and look at a human on this other side of the screen like it's it just does something energetically doesn't it yeah it's it's resonance it's it's there's just some it's why i think you and i are not jumping on the panic mode of ai <laughs> where it's like oh no it's going to replace me no yeah. it's going to replace yeah. probably some pretty menial stuff and maybe yeah. even help you know get you 50 20 50 80 percent of the way into, on, on all other types of things but you know what we've seen consistently over the last several years when we do our storytelling work with clients it's just there's nothing like a live person to interact with, to pull out the story, to listen carefully. That's not something a robot can do. It cannot intuitively no. do that. No, um, the energy uh, that 
just the just the physical act of when you sit across from a human and they raise their eyebrows yes. or they lean in or they smile or they have a look of confusion like all those nonverbal cues direct the conversation yeah and that is so important oh yeah there's no like i i find it very difficult i think most people do brandon to like create content in a vacuum to turn on the camera and mm -hmm. just like stare into a lens mm -hmm. um for somebody who's who's basically not trained in performance which most of us aren't right we're most of us are not actors or right. newscasters right right so right. The idea of staring into a lens and having, and having presence and and being able to coherently—I I don't know—it just it just loses something. Like it's so much better to have a human touch for it's, sure. It's absolutely it's it's necessary. It's like you said, it's that nuance, is the tonalities. Um, I can remember so many times in doing live work with people, and and you 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 know, the other, you have this ability to pivot in a moment when you hear something that is going to be interesting and invoke curiosity in your audience. Um, you know, I, I generally kind of walk in with a plan of how we're going to pull out stories, but then I can remember several times where in the first five minutes, I hear something, the voice drop, emotion gets risen and like, oh, there's something here we need to, to go down the path of. And it, it turned out being some of the most, uh, effective uh, content we've we've created for people because it is that emotion <clears throat> it is that emotional content yeah um, well yeah i'm just struck um the best part of many conversations is the is the turn that the conversation took that you didn't expect mm-hmm 100 percent 100 percent and you're never going to get that just kind of staring into a camera. So yeah. didn't mean this to be a, <laughs> didn't mean this to be a commercial for feet. Yeah, yeah, but, but it is. And um, unapologetically, you can't script that. No. I think that's the big thing is, you know, most of our clients have asked for scripts. Give me a script. Send me all the yeah. stuff the day before. No, no, no. No, because if do I it. do, you're going to prepare. You're going to you might sound a little stiff robotic. I want it to be fresh. I want it to be top of mind, easy yeah. flow, authentic. Yeah, um, not scripted, and and everybody knows. It's like when you got yeah. a hairpiece, everybody knows. Thus, you know, we don't. Bob and I don't wear hairpieces. We wear hairpieces. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're like, there's no way. Yeah, <laughs> like you know instantly that it's not authentic. So uh, yeah, it's, that's why we don't do the scripting. Well, um, this is this is gonna be an interesting show. Arian Radman um, is he's he, there, there's two companies that he founded, or, and it's still a, a part of. One of them is called Coach or Coach Up, and um, that is a business that connects athletes with personal coaches, private coaching. Um, and he tells the whole story about that. He, he loves the fact that he can get two people together. He's got a great story behind that. Uh, his current business, the one that he started most recently, is called Ignite Post. And I think what excited you and I about this is he's using software and technology to do something tactile. I don't want to give too much away, but essentially it's a robot and a big pen. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and and a piece of paper right <laughs> and just just let your imagination kind of run wild there but I, I think the point is in a world of digital communication uh it's really easy to get lost right i mean it's really easy to not be heard not be seen and here is something that we have been doing for as long as we've had the ability to write um so thousands of years 
literally putting a pen to paper and handing it off to another human being um, and doing that at scale. It's a, I love the idea and I love the implementation of it. I, I think people are gonna be really excited to hear what this software does and what this service does. Um, so uh, without further ado, I think we're gonna introduce, we're not gonna talk anymore. Let's get Aaron Radman on the show. Welcome well, founders, welcome to the show. Hello, welcome Arian. Arian Radman, calling from Cambridge, Massachusetts today. How are you? I'm doing well. That's good to be here. Thanks so much for having me. How are you guys? Yeah, great. So good. So, so in, good. In this in this small world that we call entrepreneurial, the entrepreneurial community, um, I think a mutual friend of ours was it Devin that connected us initially. Totally, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Dev, Devin connected us. That's how we got connected here. Yeah, so Devin, uh, who's also been a guest on the show, so it's it's always good to meet people that uh, through people that are really cool. So uh, Ari and I had a conversation uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was like, wow, I'm I'm really impressed with the stuff that he's doing, uh, but more impressed that he's got some cool stories to share. So um, <laughs> love love having you on the show, Aaron. I'd love to hear. Uh, let's start out with like, what's what's happening with you right now what are you really excited about business wise or personal wise oh man so well the bunch of things so let, actually let me start on the personal side so i'm getting married later on this year so that's super that's super exciting so that's kind of the biggest thing going on right now so we're in the throes of uh of doing all that planning so there's all kinds of craziness going on on, on my like the personal side personal sure life. sure uh, but that's super exciting. A, a very, very quick story there is actually, I, I've been engaged now for three years. I actually got engaged in 2020 during the pandemic. And then, you know, with, with all the craziness going on, we basically decided to hold off getting married until we could actually, you know, meet up in person. So, you know, it's been a long time coming and I'm just super excited to, you know, to actually finally be married. <laughs> that's awesome. Fantastic. Fantastic. So um, so yeah, that that's the the biggest thing kind of going on on the the personal side, and then um, business wise, I, I'm just super excited to see some of the like the trends that are happening on the business side, uh, kind of riding the right waves. So a little bit about what I'm doing. So I uh, am a CEO of a company called Ignite Post, and we basically help brands create magic moments for their customers using real pen and ink handwritten notes. So we actually leverage robotics and technology to actually write and pen out the notes. Um, but one of the big trends that I, I see continuing is this, you know, influx of a lot of digital communication to the point where people are very kind of saturated digitally with a right. lot of communication being thrown their way every day. So that's one of the super exciting trends that we see from that, from people being so saturated and being so, um, you know, kind of a little bit burnt out digitally. We're starting to see a lot of people come, what I like to call back to being human uh, and like really start using our service to really connect and build relationships with uh, with their customers. So that that's just super exciting to see. So just some quick things on both the business, professional yeah. and, and personal side. Fun, fun. Aaron, you don't you don't have the stereotypical Boston accent. I'm a little <laughs> disappointed. You're in Cambridge, you're way over there. Whatever you guys do over there, eat a lot of lobster and, and, <laughs> and chowder or whatever you do. Um, are you originally from that area? Are you from somewhere else? No. So I am originally from New Jersey. So I grew up in central slash south New Jersey, uh, which is still where most of my family is from. And I actually came to Boston to uh, for college. So I went to school at BU 
Uh, and it was my first experience kind of living in any city. Uh, and I just fell in love with the city, absolutely loved it. So was up here for four years, went to college, went to, went to school up here, and then uh, had an internship right after kind of like my last year of uh, college and then after I graduated. And then I've been up here ever since. So now it's kind of home to me. So I, I've lived here now longer than anywhere else. So I, I feel true to the roots here and I, I love Boston. But it's funny, you know, it's funny that you, you bring up that about the accent because no one that I know actually has the like really thick Boston accent. <laughs> Almost everybody up here is, is a transplant from kind of somewhere else. Oh, so yeah, so it's becoming increasingly rare to, I mean, there's definitely folks that still have it, but it's becoming increasingly rare to, to like really find someone that has that very thick Boston thick. accent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I just want to hear Matt Damon and Ben Affleck talk in their, <laughs> yeah, yeah. their, their just their whole ah. Boston accents. I love it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I think the thing that we were really drawn to, uh, Arian, was the idea of this human touch. Uh, about a month ago, uh, as we're recording this, I gave a talk at a traffic and AI conference about basically being human. <laughs> I talked mm. about humanity yeah. <laughs> and identity. Um, so everyone's talking about AI prompts and how to get traffic out of Facebook and Google, which, you know, I could have done talks on that, but I chose, to, I chose to talk about the human touch and creativity. Um, and that's what I think you and I kind of vibed on. So totally. talk a little bit about your perspective on this. Like, okay, so we've got AI, we've got all these digital tools. Um, why, why double down on human touch? Yeah, no, that's a great point too. And I think one of the things at, at the core that we need to remember is that technology is super new, right? This whole thing of, you know, idea of digital marketing or kind of, you know, doing what we're doing right now via a screen is super new to us. And if, if when I say us, I'm talking about like the human race. Human race, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but if you look at, at humans and how we've evolved over time, right? early humans, it's, it's embedded in our DNA. What we did is we interacted with our environment physically, and that's how we learned about our environment. So, you know, that is ingrained in our DNA uh, as who we are, as our identity as humans. So we learn about things by experiencing them, touching them, like physically experiencing them. And so a lot of people, because, you know, we're, we're kind of so caught up in this whole, whole digital craze, and that's you know, something that's, uh, you know, makes things very easy. But if you look at actually who we are as humans and how we like to interact with, uh, with other humans, this is very foreign to us, right? The, this whole concept of interacting through screens and digital market, that's just not how humans are built. So that's kind of at its core. And I think a lot of times people forget that because it has, you know, this technology has intertwined itself in our lives very uh, kind of fluidly. And so I think that's kind of the one thing that we need to, to recognize is that's, that's at, a, at a core, not how humans are built. So if you're looking to really, you know, kind of do it, what you were talking about is why go back to being human? Why even worry about this kind of, you know, connection? Well, it's because that's who we are as people. And that's how we have evolved over millennia, not the last, you know, 50 years or so that we've actually had the internet and technology and everything <laughs> as, as we know it. So. Um, you know, th that's kind of one thing. AI is great. Fantastic. I think it's going to be here. And I think there's like some really, really great applications to it. But if you're really talking about how to get humans to do the things that you want them to do, or how to get, you know, how to develop a relationship and how to connect with humans, you have to go back to, well, who are we? 
at a core as our, our species. And so that's kind of the, the one thing I would say. Um, and that's the, the whole reason why Ignite Post exists in the way that it does is to help businesses connect with other humans in a more human-like way that's still scalable. So we kind of took the, the theory that I just spoke of, of, you know, people like to connect with other people. They like, you know, physically touching and experiencing things. And we basically said, how can we do this at scale for brands in a way that is, feels human, leverages all of those traits of how humans have evolved over millennia and is the most effective thing that we could possibly do. And kind of that, that's why we put two and two together. That's why we ended up with the, the solution that we have now, which is basically, yes, part technology. So we, we have a nice software layer that allows you to uh, set up and send really nice handwritten note campaigns and kind of trigger them when you need them. And then we also leverage hardware to actually give us the scalability but the end product is when you put those two together, you still get this really nice personalized uh, product that ends up as a handwritten note that actually comes and you know pops on someone's doorstep that they can then physically touch and hold and experience that creates that connection that engages all of those elements that are you know inherent in our DNA as as humans. Hmm. How did your journey start? Arian, what uh, what was growing up like? The entrepreneurial journey was this something you were always kind of interested in? What was uh, what, what yeah. was the spark for you? Before we take us back, yeah, th that's a good question. So, you know, I, honestly, I think the spark probably came just after, at, like, right at the end of my senior year in college. And so, I was actually doing an internship uh, at a company called EMC that's that's based down the road in Hopkinton. Uh, my background's in software. So I was uh, in their, their software development kind of division. And, you know, I had never really considered a thought of starting my own business. Like my plan was to, you know, work at a company like EMC, maybe kind of, you know, work, work my way up the ladder. And then one of the other interns that I actually ended up becoming really good friends with, he was really, really into software. He's like, I, I really want to start my own software company at, at some point. And that was really the first time that I had put you know, that, that concept together of like, you know, I never really considered that path. Maybe that, maybe that is something that I should, I should think of and I should do. So, uh, you know, at, after the internship, I ended up getting uh, a job at a company called Lime Brokerage. It was a financial software company. We were making high-speed trading software um, uh, for uh, folks who were participating in algorithmic trading. And it was a super small company. So, you know, that was one of my big decisions is I want to go from a company like EMC that has tens of thousands of, of folks where you're kind of just a number to yeah. a small company where I can really see what my, my personal impact is. And I think the combination of those two things of getting that idea in my head and then being at a company that's super small where I could actually see how much of an impact the things that I, I was doing on a daily basis was helping the company move forward. Th that I thought was really cool. And then at Lime Brokerage, we ended up getting acquired. I was there for about three years. We ended up getting acquired by a West Coast security firm called Wedbush. And that was a really fun process to kind of go through the whole uh, the whole thing. Because at the point, at that time, we were probably about a 30 person company. So there was a lot of visibility as, as like the whole process as it was going on and as they were kind of looking at us and potentially, you know, considering acquiring us and, and buying us and everything. And at the end of it, when I came out of it, that's when I realized, ah, you know, I don't just want to be like an employee at, at a company. Mm -hmm. Like, this is really cool. I want to go and I want to pursue this. And then at that point, 
that's when I started actually getting really involved in the Boston kind of startup ecosystem here. Hmm. So Boston has a very, very vibrant uh, ecosystem. They have a lot of, you know, meetups and a lot of events that are just kind of put on to help support early stage companies, early stage founders. And so I basically just started going and just getting involved and showing up and just kind of seeing what this thing called entrepreneurship is about. What are these crazy people that are going out and starting these, these companies? How does it work? Who are they? How do they get involved? And so in doing so, uh, I basically, you know, created a network for myself and kind of met the, the people that I would see frequently at those uh, networking events, started becoming friends. And then through a friend of a friend, uh, I ended up getting connected to uh, this gentleman, uh, Jordan Flegel, who would eventually become my co-founder for my, my first company that I would start, which was a business called CoachUp. Um, so we met through a mutual friend that I met from kind of these, these networking uh, events. Uh, but basically my friend was like, hey, you know, I know you're really into software and you're coming to these events and you're interested in kind of doing your own thing. I also know uh, a good friend of mine from growing up. He has this idea for a sports coaching marketplace, but I, I think you guys would, would really hit it off. You should, you should go chat. Uh, and actually I went right down the street and our office right now is based in uh, Davis Square in, in Cambridge here and actually met him at a restaurant literally down the road uh, for the first time and just kind of chatted through like what what's going on and like what what's your idea and so that was the that was the first step that I that I took I guess on my entrepreneurial journey that would eventually lead me to founding uh, my first company which, which was Kojup and so I was still doing nights and weekends I was still working at Lime Brokerage Okay. But I met up with Jordan and then started doing nights and weekends, kind of helping him kind of hone the idea and build the first version of that product. Uh, so it was kind of like for me, baby steps, but that was kind of how the initial catalyst got, got started. Very huh. cool. So, so coach up. Um, I think that was the other thing we connected on. <laughs> everyone, knows yeah, Bob, yeah. <laughs> everyone knows I'm a coach. So um <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that that whole experience. So, found, founding your first company. What what was Coach Up all about? What was it based on? And tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, as with any business, I think the the really the 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 draw is your personal experience. And so, that's one of the reasons why Jordan and I hit it off so well is because we both had very personal kind of ties to the mission of the company. So, the mission of the company was to connect athletes and private coaches in every sport all across the nation. And the whole idea was it was all for individual, personalized, in-person, one-on-one coaching, sport-specific coaching. Yeah. And the whole idea is that that's what gets you the best results. Personalized individual attention gets you the best results. So uh, our our backgrounds, our stories, actually growing up, we were both athletes and we were you know both competitors. Uh, Jordan was a basketball player, so he went to Bowdoin, played basketball, and then played a bit uh, professionally after he graduated. Uh, my background actually is uh, sailing. So sailing was my sport. So went to college, sailed for four years at, at BU. But the interesting thing is no one in my family knows anything about the sport. I'm the only person that sails in my family. And I actually got into it because there was a club uh, sailing uh, school at the end of my street uh, in the summer. And I was driving my mom crazy one summer. And she was like, that's it. I'm putting, I'm enrolling you in sailing classes because you're driving me nuts and I need you're you going out to sail of the house. Camp. Sail camp. Exactly. Sail camp for Arian. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Ship so, him off. <laughs> so that's what happened. Literally. Literally. Literally, literally ship, him, ship him. him. Put him in a boat. Get him out of here. Yes. <laughs> it's annoying. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so there you go. So I was super annoying, and then I uh, got put in sailing camp, and then I ended up absolutely loving it. So fell in love with the sport and really got into the competitive and racing aspect of it. And this was probably when I was like nine or ten years old. So I was, you know, just a, a little guy, and really, really loved it. But my parents had no idea how to help me get better. And so literally what they did is they opened the phone book and they started calling local coaches from different colleges and universities in the area. And they said, hey, my kid is just really like really into sailing and really loves the sport. We're looking for someone to just come and help him get better. We don't know what else to do. And they literally would just pay on the weekends to have a coach come down for a couple hours and help me get better. And that's how I learned yeah, after I knew the basics of like how to sail, that's how I, I really learned the the intricate aspects of kind of advanced racing and techniques and um, strategy and tactics and everything. And so, uh, and that was instrumental in my life because then I went to college, I sailed for four years in college, you know, and that really impacted my life because a lot of the friends that I met there are now still my very best friends uh, now that I still keep in touch with. So it just had this super huge impact on my life. Yeah, but yeah. Getting back to like the, the founding story of Coach Up, had I not had that experience, my life would have been vastly different. And it was by total happenstance that my parents literally just opened the phone book and started calling people randomly. So we said, there's got to be a better way. You know, this day and age, there should be some way that if I'm a parent of uh, a kid that is interested in a sport, I should be able to go on very easily, look up a vetted list of coaches for any sport that I'm interested in and connect them with you know, get connected with them so that they can come and give my child some lessons. So that was like the the genesis behind the idea for Coach Up and why we decided to to create it. So that's what we set out to do. It was to basically solve that specific problem uh, that that we both experienced firsthand. Hey, founders are really fortunate to have uh, Aaron Radman on the show today, co-founder of a couple of great companies. The first one, which which you talked about, is called Coach Up. You could uh, go to CoachUp.com. If uh, anyone you know, child, niece, nephew, is uh, excelling and wants to excel in a, in a particular sport, uh, they uh, have a business that matches young athletes and athletes with private coaches. So it's, it's kind of like an Uber for coaches. Uh, it's, you know, finding a great coach. And then the business that he's currently spending the most time in is called ignitepost.com. It is a software, service that allows you to write personalized handwritten notes to prospects, customers, referrals. Um, go to go to ignitepost.com, request a free sample so that you can actually see what uh, his robots and his pens do. So go to ignitepost.com. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. So sailing, we're talking about, uh, we're not talking about like the little, the little boat that you take to the pond you know, <laughs> race. We're talking, you are in this thing. Probably is it one there. person? Huh? Yeah. Is, this, is this two people, one people? What are we talking? What to give us some, some so context kind of, for them. Kind of across the spectrum. So when I first started racing, uh, when I was younger, you know, nine or 10, it is single-handed. So it's just, just me in the boat. So one, one person, okay. but as, as you kind of grow up and progress, there's everything across the spectrum. So, you, you know, there's double handed, triple handed. So you can, you can get into whatever aspects of racing that you want. I personally 
uh, really did a lot of single-handed racing. So just myself in the boat, I sailed Optimists. That's where I started. It's like a little eight foot uh, dinghy. And then I graduated up to a, a boat called the Laser, which is a little bit big. I think it's like a 16 foot. Um, laser. 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 <laughs> laser. Right. <laughs> laser. I want to drive a laser boat. Yeah. Bob. So, yeah. That's the easiest way of to, like. Do you I want the dinghy people... <laughs> or do you want the laser? <laughs> yeah. Let me think. It's, it, 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 so, it sounds a lot better too, right? Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's always the, yeah. to get people to understand what you do. It's like, you don't just say like, oh, I'm, I'm a sailing. Oh no, I, I'm a race boat driver. That's what I do. Yes. I go racing. I drive a know? laser. <laughs> Mr. Regnaris, we'd like to introduce you to sailing. Would you like the yes. dinghy or the laser? <laughs> laser, please. Laser, please. That will be an yeah. Love it. So, cool uh, but yeah so so if there's one phrase that we hear more than any other on this show amongst others uh is there's got to be a better way how many great so, ideas in this world have started by people sitting down at a meal going there's got to be a better way totally yeah right? it's just that that genesis of frustration right we're like finally yeah. you've, you've you're at the end of the rope right you you hit your limit you're like, all right, that's it. There's, there's got to, there surely has to be a better way. And you know, this is, look, look, this is not that serious of a problem, right? It's like your parents had to flip through a phone book and, do, and did a little work. But what I like is the personalization of it. Like here are two people that kind of get together and go, you know what? Like, I remember this problem that my parents had when I was trying to learn how to sail. And like, what, what year was this, by the way? This was 20... 11. Okay. So 2011, 2012. Yeah, absolutely. There's gotta, there's gotta be an online database of private coaches and you look and go, Oh shit, there is none. <laughs> or right. if there is one, it's not very good. So what a, what a great opportunity, right? Just it's out of basically your personal experience and personal passion. Here comes an idea and it's always there. It's so everything's so abundant. It's amazing. Totally. Exactly. So you mentioned this was your first company. Um, are you affiliated with Coach Up anymore? If not, tell us what happened. Yeah, so still affiliated with Coach Up. Um, that was a really fun journey. So I was there for just over five years. So uh, started Coach Up and basically ran the gamut across the spectrum in terms of roles there. So started, like I mentioned, I was I literally started because I was doing nights and weekends. I was still at my previous company, uh, just building the first prototype and MVP uh, with Jordan. So it was, you know went from everything from two, you know, like two guys around a table and a laptop building like the first version of the, of the product. So I did a lot of actual hands-on keyboard coding and building. <laughs> and then uh, we decided that we, that because we were building a marketplace with a marketplace, you essentially are, are creating two businesses at once, right? You're building the supply side and the demand side. And yes. so we decided from the get-go that we wanted to fund the business as a, as a VC funded venture. So that's how we built Whoa. the business. And that was a VC backed uh, endeavor. So in terms of my experience, started hands-on keyboard coding, building the first prototype. Once we uh, started on the, on the journey, I basically uh, we, we were able to raise a little bit of uh, initial angel capital so once that infusion came in, I was actually able to leave my, my job and dive in full time and then uh, just kind of kept building the business from there. So my role, you know, I was the technical co-founder. So I did everything from like hands-on keyboard building to eventually put my, my recruiter hat on, built the, the engineering team, ran the engineering team for a while, um, 
and then eventually, you know, we, we grew to the point where we actually brought in an entire uh, executive suite to kind of re replace us. So, um, but in terms of, of the journey, that, that was kind of the journey. So nights and weekends to angel funding. And then we actually went through a couple rounds of like series A, series B funding uh, to, to build the business. I think total after I had left, I think we had raised somewhere around 18 million. Um, wow building the team. So built the team up to about 30 or 35 folks when, uh, when I eventually moved on, when we hired the, the C-suite to come in. And so, uh, you know, it just got, I basically grew it to the point where we knew that the next step, kind of like the next phase for the company was to bring in people who are more experienced and kind of had been there, done that. And so we did that. Uh, and then it was right around that time that I was kind of I took a little bit of time off and was looking for kind of like, what's my next thing? Uh, I was still involved. I'm still on the board right now at okay. CoachUp, but was kind of like trying to figure out what my next thing is. And then that's what really led me into, like my experience at CoachUp is really what led me into sure. starting Ignite Post. So uh, was the angel funding mom and dad or did you, did you find somebody <laughs> else? <laughs> no, so that that was like a big, uh, a big point of... Uh, that we made is we didn't want it to be kind of friends and family. We wanted to raise angel funding from real angel investors who were not okay. affiliated. They weren't like family, they weren't relatives. And so the initial angel funding that we took in were from Boston based angels, but they weren't related to us in any way. Okay. And that, that was important to us because we wanted to actually say we are truly angel funded. And this is not just like mom and dad for, like, tossing some money in. So angels, these are these are men and women that are like, hey, we were, we we, we like the innovative people, and we're looking for fresh ideas. They want to be kind of first on board to any fresh ideas that come out. So did that exactly. come out of your? Did that come out of the Boston startup community? Did those investors come out of that that group that you've been attending? They did. Yes. Nice. So um, it, actually, all of our there. I remember their initial three or four angel investors and all of them were in some way, shape or form through the Boston community. So really, cool. uh, yeah, yeah. So we went to some events that were specifically designed to match up uh, early stage companies with some angels. Okay. And so we, we got connected to some there. And then uh, some of those early angels, they introduced us to other folks like they would sure. make an investment. They said, oh, hey, I think, you know, so-and-so would actually like this as well. So I'm going to make a quick intro there. So that's how we got our first handful of, uh, of angel checks. So to get to get the angels, um, did you have to have some sort of working prototype? Like this is what this this is what the interface looks like. Is that what was it the idea plus that that made the angels go, OK, this is viable? Yes, working prototype, I would put a giant asterisk because it was, uh, <laughs> we had a site, right? Okay. But working is, is, a, is a stretch, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, you had something tangible to show them. We like, had an idea and had Don't made turn this around. Don't hit enter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> don't push any buttons on this page. <laughs> Just read the text and print it out on your laser printer. Yeah, yeah. Allowed to do. So, okay. So, but but to that point too, I think a lot of people also go down this path that they get very fixated on. Oh, I need a working prototype, or I need like something to yeah. show. We didn't have that, but we also had a lot of other things that I think were more valuable. So we were the best uh, the users of our own product. So 
despite not having an actual working like site, remember both Jordan and myself had this whole experience growing up. And so yeah. Jordan actually was after, um, uh, after he graduated, he actually was a basketball coach and was giving basketball lessons. And so speaking from experience, he, he actually had a network of folks that he was giving lessons to and was actually using some of the components that we were building to go. process his customers. And so, you know, the, it was the idea of, listen, here's what I've been doing for the past couple of years. Here's what's broken and what, why it doesn't work. Here are the things that I would need that we are planning to do for a coach up. And by the way, here's some progress that we've made on it. So just because the, there was not like the, the site itself was not fully functional, that really wasn't a big, you know, kind of hurdle okay. because we were actually using the product and we can kind of, you know, do the little, you know, selling the dream, like a little bit of like hand waving yeah. and saying, Hey, we know that this is what we need because we're actually users of the product and this is what we're going to build and here's how we're doing it. And then basically we were able to show progress as we were going along and building it. And that let us go from, you know, like one angel round to another and then allowed us to validate and say, hey, we said you were gonna do this, we did it. Now we're here at this point, we're taking a little bit more money to do this. And then we kind of kept kept building like that. So it sounds like it was a good good balance of like, here's, here's our story, right? Obviously Brandon and I love stories, what we're all about, but that you sold them on the story but then you had some tangible things for them to see and tangible experiences that are like, oh, okay. Like you married the two. A lot of people will have this grand idea and try to pitch the idea. And most people that have money are smart and are going to be like, no, like <laughs> I need to know, like the idea is actually tangible. And so right. it sounds like you guys had a pretty good balance of that, which is what kept fueling you. And then of course, following through was was really key right. like yeah you know here's what we said we're gonna do and we did it you know and that it just seems like yeah that was good um quick question before brandon jumps in at what point like did you go we've got something like is it when you were able to draw a salary uh, like what was it where you went oh my goodness like I, we can actually i can actually make this a full-time venture for myself yeah so we we had some of those kind of burn the boat uh <laughs> metrics that we that we wanted to to hit initially uh and it's actually funny too because it changed based on some of the advisors that we were working with but initially our, our our initial plan for launching the business is that we wanted to launch in 10 sports with 10 coaches in each sport just in the boston area and okay. prove out that the the like the, the concept worked essentially uh and that's really what we did and the, the whole idea was prove it out just in Boston, put together a playbook that we can then take and do the same thing and roll it out kind of city by city all across the nation and then the world, world domination, et cetera. But right. <laughs> um, so th that was the, the whole idea. And so that was what we, th that was our narrow focus is how can we get 10 solid coaches in 10 sports on the platform and getting them, get them all processing their entire client base through the coach up platform. And so once we did that, I think our, our burn the boat moment was 50 coaches locally processing their customers through, uh, through the platform. And then once, once they saw that, that was kind of validation to us that, all right, we should dive in full time. So that, that's really what kind of gave me the push of saying, okay, aha, there's, there's something here. This you know, deserves more of my attention. I should jump yeah. in and do this full time. Of course, it changed as well. I also mentioned it changed. And so that was the other interesting thing is, you know, we chatted with some of our early advisors about here's our plan and here's what we're doing. 
And they actually suggested that we don't do that. Then instead of just focusing locally, they said, well, listen, if you're talking about, you know, putting up some defensive moats so that, you know, it's harder for anybody else to kind of step in and, and do what you're doing, the biggest thing that you can have is the size of your coaching database. Because mm -hmm. let's face it, if somebody else wants to, you know, get a hundred coaches or something on a platform, they could probably do it. And then they basically would be kind of on parity with, with you and where you are. So once we received that advice, we, we basically decided not to focus locally anymore and to just kind of really open things up nationwide and to really let the market dictate where we should go, where we should focus. So that was, that was an interesting transition point that we made early-ish on. Yeah. But just, just interesting, interesting things from, you know, talking with early advisors. Well, that's, um, that's, that was one of the things I was kind of thinking about is you had to essentially build two markets, you know, Uber, isn't uber without drivers and riders ebay is right. not ebay without auction sellers and auction buyers so um ba based on your experience getting the coaches in place was the the better play to kind of create the mode and create momentum versus trying to build the, the marketplace of of people that were looking for coaches yeah it's kind of the classic chicken or the egg problem right it's, yeah. it's difficult to to make an argument like do should we focus on one person or one side of the marketplace over the other? But for us, really, it was all about the coaches because okay. our concept was that we knew there was demand out there, right? We we were demand ourselves growing up. So we knew that there's always going to be people looking for coaches to help them improve whatever sport that they're they're interested in. So our our theory, our thesis was basically people are going to go to wherever the coaches are. And so it was important for us to then get the coaches first and be seen as that resource of, ah, I have a need. I need a coach. I need a good quality coach. I need to go to coach up because that's where the best coaches are. And so we made the decision very, very early on that coaches were kind of our people. And that's who we were really okay. catering and building the, the platform for. And so the whole idea was to go and find the coaches, build that database first knowing that there, there was always demand of people needing to be connected with coaches. And was there, was there a monetary requirement? Like the value proposition, the coach was in my mind, pretty clear. Like you, it's difficult for you to find people to coach. Here is a platform that helps you find people, but also organizes your entire business. So you could just focus in on coaching. Was there required to invest anything or was this strictly like kind of a profit share or a revenue share type of deal for them? It was def definitely revenue share because that's how we made um, our money is by taking a, a commission of, of every session that got booked through the, the platform. Uh, but there, there was, it was kind of twofold. So one, there was discovery. So that's the biggest problem for coaches as well as coaches want to spend their time coaching. They don't want to yeah. spend their time marketing and selling and everything. So by being a part of the platform, we basically would just push customers their way. So they would just have to kind of field inbound inquiries which they liked. So that was one thing. But then the second is the platform itself provided coaches with a lot of a suite of tools that just made their job easier. So everything from review collection to keeping notes about their various clients and where they are in their training uh, to, to insurance, which is a big thing that a lot of coaches don't do. So they got a lot of benefits by just using the CoachUp platform to operate their coaching business that also made it kind of a no-brainer for them to just do everything. They just made everything easier. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying this interesting conversation about robots doing our work for us. Um, what part that you 
didn't hear or won't hear is me actually talking to Aaron after this interview about, uh, I'm sorry, Arian after this interview is uh, a, we're talking about creating stories around the different robots that he has in his business that are actually writing these letters and creating stories around them, bringing you into the experience of watching how these things are formed and created and uh, being able to stay, or stay in front of his audience over a long period of time. So we're having fun with that conversation. If you're in a business that hasn't leveraged your story in some way, shape, or form, it's time to do that. It's time to reach out to us, Bob and I, on strategicstory.media or feedstories.com, and let's find out those stories that draw people in and get them interested in what you do and what problems you solve. Reach out to us. We'd love to have a conversation. Now let's get back to the show. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. <laughs> how to take that platform to other industries as i'm sure you've exhausted that as well <laughs> totally yeah exactly <laughs> um let's pivot a little bit i want to hear about flying you're a recreational pilot okay. <laughs> tell me about that yeah how'd yeah how'd you get into that so it's funny it's uh it was something actually that I, I have always been talking with my grandfather since i was like super super young and that's also something interesting too because no one in my family is a pilot uh, at all. So I guess I have this trend of doing things that no one in my family does or knows anything about. <laughs> I thought it was just, you wanted to conquer all the elements. Like I know I'm handled <laughs> walking. I'm nine <laughs> years old, mom, I'm done walking. Now I want to conquer water and now I want right. to conquer the air. Okay. I'm going to laser on the water. <laughs> um, but so the story there is, so like I said, I'm originally from New Jersey. My family lives in South Jersey, um, by the beach in a, in a town just north of, of Cape May, which is as far south as you can go in New Jersey. I have been up here in Boston now for probably 20 years, maybe a little bit more. And so I would still go down and visit a lot, but I don't know if you've ever made that trip by car, but that could be a nine hour drive, depending on traffic and the route and what, what time or what time of the year you leave, what time of the day you leave. So the really the catalyst for for me jumping into flying was after doing this trip so many times and getting to the end of my rope and being so frustrated i said surely there must be a better way uh and so there's a little <laughs> regional airport in cape may that's three miles away from where my parents live and i said this is ridiculous i'm spending nine hours driving each way because we would go down there and spend my fiance and i would go down there and spend time at the beach uh in the summers all the time and so after one particularly long trip back, I was like, surely there must be a better way. This is ridiculous that we're spending so long driving. I am going to look into getting my pilot's license so I can fly. And that would cut the trip down from nine hours to like an hour and a half. So that was like the, the major catalyst that kind of pushed me over. I'd always been kind of interested in, in getting my pilot's license. Like I said, I had chatted about that with my grandfather from when I was like really little kind of growing up just because he was really fascinated with planes. But it, it never really got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm super serious until I had such pain driving back and forth. So that was like the major catalyst that, that pushed me into it. And now I fly all the time. Uh, now it just opened up a whole nother world to me. And I, I absolutely love it. Any, uh, any harrowing experiences, any near hit a hit a swarm of geese <laughs> anything interesting give us a knock on wood no <laughs> so no no geese that, that's good. all right I never had never had a birth strike but all right uh 
I mean, all, all kinds of, you know, you see all kinds of like crazy things. And you also, you know, the world of general aviation flying also opens the world. To, uh, it it kind of makes the world a lot smaller and, and just easier for you. So mm -hmm. for us being up here in New England, it's a great place to have access to, you know, a little single, single prop uh, piston plane because there's all, all these awesome places to get to everywhere from, you know, Cape Cod, which there's a bunch of little airports there. If you would, again, if you would drive there in the summertime, forget it. That could be yeah. like a three hour drive, but you hop in the plane and it's a 15, 20 minute plane ride. So just total night and day. And then same thing, you know, we have the islands. So you've got Nantucket and uh, Martha's Vineyard. Yeah. So, you know, getting there, that's like an excursion. It takes, it takes a, a day trek to get to one of those places. But, you know, I, we've on the weekend been like, hey, we should go get brunch on like Martha's Vineyard. And you jump in the plane and you're there you know, 30 minutes later. So it just kind of unlocks a whole, a whole new world. Love it. Well, we, we share some similar interests. So I just took up windsurfing last year and loving oh, that. Nice. And then, uh, and I'm, I've been researching param, learning how to do paramotor. So, okay. uh, so, uh, there's some training up here in Colorado here. I'm probably going to start next month, but that's uh, awesome. But yeah, <laughs> you're going to start driving a vehicle off a mountain, Brandon. Pretty much. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Pair, yeah, you got a I little. Need, I need uh, to check our. I need to check our partner insurance. Just right, to... partner insurance. Better, better <laughs> up that. You could cash out very nicely. Yeah. Before, yeah. before, say, Mister Boy, do you engage in any dangerous activities? Uh, no, um, not yet. Well, don't smoke. Maybe, maybe in a month I will. <laughs> in my flying laser. Yes. But you know, there's a lot, there's a lot less to hit up there. So right, yeah. <laughs> if you if you compare it to like driving or even That's like true. walking around, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, oh, wait, space. are those power lines? Is that a power line I see? <laughs> yeah, Let me get closer yeah. so I can see. Mountains and power lines do not dart in front of you like like a vehicle does. So <laughs> like a deer, you got a little yeah. bit of a warning there. So yeah. well, Correct. cool. I like. That's really, I, I love that. You seem like an adventurer, Aaron. I love. I just love kind of the spirit. Um, so Ignite Post, uh, let, let's talk about the genesis of that. Um, why would you even consider this whole idea of like handwritten pieces of mail and, and correspondence? What what would drive yeah. you to start a company like that? Yeah, so actually a couple of things. So a lot of the things that I did at CoachUp was an early genesis for Ignite Post. And so like, if you look at my background, you know, this whole idea of personalization really is a, a, a common thread. So, you know, with CoachUp, we were connecting one-on-one -on -one coaches and athletes. And what we, you know, what I realized is the pairs that did the best, the reason why one-on-one -on -one coaching worked is because you have this very personalized individual attention kind of one-on-one. -on -one. And yeah. I could, you could see the relationships actually that were developed between the coach and the athlete over the course of the training. And it was actually apparent on the platform because they would use the platform to track their training and send messages back and forth. And so that was something that really always stuck with me is how important the relationship was that the, that the pair had. And so that's something that really I took forward after coach up. And I said, how, how could I like replicate that moving forward? So that was kind of one, one idea or kind of thing that started bouncing around in my mind is this is really powerful. How could I replicate this? And like, where's there a need for this? And then basically what I did, and we talked about this you know, a little bit, but uh, the trend that I saw happening in the world with this whole idea of very, like digital saturation, right? Everything that I saw and I said, all right, if I'm going to project, let's say 10 years into the future, 
what is the world going to look like and how are how could i use this concept of developing deeper relationships and uh helping helping businesses do that to you know grow grow their brand and so looking 10 years in the future i said you know people are already saturated with a lot of digital communication i don't think that's something that's going anywhere if anything the trend is going to continue and it's going to get worse so if i'm a business or if i'm a brand what am i going to do what are my options how can i possibly cut through all of that digital saturation and build the relationship similar to what i saw all of these pairs of you know athlete coach pairs uh, having at coach up and so that's really what set me off the path of down the path of all right how are we built as humans why is this so interesting and intriguing and what types of things get people to you know create those relationships and and those bonds and so that's really why i settled on creating ignite post and why ignite post exists and works the way it does is you know we talked a little bit about this whole idea of humans interacting with their environment that's how they learn about their environment the actual you know physical physicality is important of actually connecting with somebody through something physical uh, so handwritten notes is really what we landed on as some of the most personalized things that you can do to actually put something in someone's hands like to me there was nothing else more personal than a personalized note that you actually put in someone's hand so that was that was one thing and then the other thing too is as i you know from growing up one of the things that was always super important that my parents always harped on was for anything for holidays birthdays anniversaries was always sending a really nice handwritten card to whomever was having a oh, birthday or anniversary okay. or anything so it was something that was very much ingrained in me to the point where i'm 100% sure that everybody in my family especially like grandmother my mother uh, they actually don't care if i get them anything for any like holiday or any birthday or anniversary but if i send them a very nice handwritten note that trumps anything that i could ever give give them at all um cuz i and i know this because i have definitely purchased gifts for them before that were far and far and wide like way better way more expensive than just sending a handwritten card and they would right. say like oh yeah you know i got your like thank you for the flowers or thank you for the gift basket and everything by the way, you didn't send me a handwritten note this year. And they, they literally would tell me this. And I was like, okay. Arian, like, where's my note? Yeah. Right. And so that's kind of, you know, when I put all, all of those components together, that's essentially why we decided to do what we're doing here at Ignite Post. And so uh, that was the, the genesis for why the product exists and why we decided on, on handwritten notes. And then the rest was, all right, well, as a brand, what are the things that I'm going to need to do? And so my background is in software. And so that's why we layered on a nice software layer, because if I'm a marketer or if I'm a brand, I want things to just work seamlessly. I don't, you know, the last thing that I want to do is learn a new thing or have a new dashboard to log into or have another thing on my plate. And so we basically combined the, the physical component, the actual handwritten component with the ease of use. And so that's really the, the, the combo that makes it so effective is as a user, it, it's designed really to complement what you're already doing in a way that doesn't add additional steps or additional overhead to your already busy workload. And so we leverage a lot of our software, we leverage a platform that we've built in order to basically lighten the load for folks and kind of work seamlessly alongside whatever tools are already in your tool set. So that was the, the combination of the, the hardware and the software together to deliver this really nice 
personalized um, experience. Beautiful. I love it. <laughs> so essentially, Aaron, this is like very, very what people are familiar with is an autoresponder where the email is like, okay, they get on a list or they buy something and out goes a email and you schedule it and it's kind of like set it and forget it. Um, you're doing this with tangible pieces of paper and pens, correct? Totally. Yep. So that, that's a that's a great way to think about. Um, and the interesting thing too is in terms of what folks typically use our platform for, it's almost across the entire life cycle. We have uh, customers that use us for acquisition, so the actual mm -hmm. proactive outreach. We have a lot of sales teams that use us there. We have customers that use us in the middle of the funnel, so you know e-commerce players that will use us for post-purchase experiences. So somebody purchases something from their site and they follow up uh, again with a really nice handwritten note to just elevate the experience or ask for a review or suggest a similar product. Uh, and then we also have people that use us at the end of the life cycle as well to do things like prevent churn, uh, to extend subscriptions, to win back customers after they've lapsed and, and things like that. So it's actually been really cool because people use us across the whole spectrum. Yeah. Talk to us about the robots. Did you have to, did these robots exist that could put pen to paper or did you have to fabricate and, and put those together with somebody? Yeah, so we did the software. So we, like I said, my background is in, in software engineering. So we put together the software. We actually work with a hardware manufacturer that's based in Virginia that manufactures the hardware itself. And so we partnered with them and kind of put, put the two together. On the software side, we actually did two things. So there's the customer facing software, which is the integrations and everything that we were talking about that make things super easy and seamless for them to, for customers to just plug and play and get off and running. But then we also have the internal software that is not customer facing that our operations team uses to both uh, work efficiently to kind of uh, write the actual orders out. And then also the software that will send the those orders to the robotics. Those are things that we developed and we did. But the actual like physical hardware, we, we use a, a hardware manufacturer that, that specializes uh, in those things. <laughs> Give us a picture, like, what are we looking at? Are we looking at a giant room with giant <laughs> robots? Like, yeah, what the is, robots have what names. 30, 30 foot giant robots. Uh, so the interesting thing is all of our robots do have names and they all have distinctive personalities. And so if you talk to our operations team, they definitely would know, okay, you know, like Robert, which is one of the names of the robots, definitely always has like consistent issues like when they come up are always like these types of issues and so all of them have their like little quirks here and there that you, you kind of like like pers personality quirks so uh, i yes. hope i hope there's not one named brandon <laughs> there is no, that not one we one got rid of brandon yet brandon's <laughs> in the closet just so you locks. know if you, you ever develop a robot named brandon they're going to be slightly off center Right. They're gonna they're gonna want to do their own thing. They're gonna Random. be slightly irrever irreverent, just I like so you robot. know. I like this robot. So you yeah. know. In, in the middle of thank <laughs> you'll be a lot of fun. For, yeah. <laughs> it's like it'll be writing. Thank you very much for your business. We love you and fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> so that's what Brandon's gonna do. And it's gonna go to the wrong customer. They'll be like, what's going on? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um so yeah, so so all of our all of our robots do have names. They all have these kind of quirky personality traits. Uh, 
in terms of how, how big they are, so they're about two by two, like two foot by two foot. So, uh, and then we have racks of, of them everywhere and they're all interfaced and networked through, uh, through networking to laptops that control clusters of, uh, of those racks of robots. Do you ever walk in that room and just go, damn, like this is a pretty <laughs> good idea. Like I can't imagine how cool that would be. It, it is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. It's, uh, it's super fun to see. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been a fun journey so far. And it's, it's always interesting too, to see the different applications that our customers come up with, because, you know, I, when I first started the business, definitely couldn't have thought of all the different applications that, that people would think of. Yeah. Huh. And, um, you know, as, as we mentioned on our call, we use one of your competitors, but we, <laughs> we, um, we like the hand, it's handwritten like um, our, our competitor that we use to send out notes for people that come on the podcast. It's a handwritten font, but it comes back and you're like, it's not handwritten, but right, right, yeah. it's better than nothing. <laughs> yeah, correct. What, what I think impressed me, and I've never heard this before, is like, oh, it's an actual pen to paper. So when you turn the paper over, you actually feel the indentation. And now totally. all of a sudden that person's going, well, wait a minute. Like, how does, how does that person know me? Because I know how big their business is. How, like, somebody sat down and wrote me a note. I can imagine yeah, right. the reactions the customers get. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've worked with customers that have gotten handwritten notes back from their handwritten notes. Like they've yeah. sent somebody a handwritten note and then they got a letter, a handwritten letter back thanking them for the handwritten letter that they sent. <laughs> See, this is just getting wild because now with AI, you can tell Robert the robot, say, okay, Janet over here, you know, who sells widgets, there's going to be like a pen, but this could be a romance thing going on. And poor <laughs> yes. Janet doesn't know that Robert the robot is AI. Yeah. He's just trying to yeah, this is getting a little weird. Or maybe Janet's a robot. And That's now right. It's like Westworld yeah. or something. Maybe now like, you're getting super meta. Yeah. We're going. We're going. <laughs> yeah, it's real. Uh, I I just think. Well, first of all, it seems like you you really need to be thanking your mom and grandma for these two businesses. Yes. Yes. Hundred percent. Right? Yes. Like first of all, mom mom getting you a coach to go sailing, and then mom and grandma writing handwritten notes. So. Um, yes. Hopefully you're doing that. So shout out to Arian's mom. Um, yes. <laughs> and uh, she's gonna love it. I'm gonna I'm gonna airmark this and uh, and just make sure she hears that. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I mean, I lost my mom a couple of months ago, and one of the things that everybody has been saying to me in the couple of months since she's passed was, "I'm gonna miss getting letters from your mom." My mom was a correspondent freak. Um, she yeah. texted and things, but like she stood out because people just don't do that shit anymore. You know, totally. nobody really takes time to put pen to paper, to put a, a letter or a card in an envelope with an actual stamp and hand address it and mail it. Um, you know, most of the crap we get in the mailbox is crap. Yeah. And then when, junk mail. Yeah. once in a blue moon, you get something special and it's like, it's this amazing thing, which we had taken for granted for, you know, 150 years or whatever. Um, and here we go. Just, it's kind of like a, a vinyl album. It's like, yeah. wow, this is, it's nostalgic, but it's also special. It's a, it's a tactile experience. And that's, that's one of the things that I talked about a month ago was like, if you can introduce tactile things inside of your business. It's going to blow people's minds because they expect everything to be digital. So um, I'm just, I'm just really, uh, I'm just really excited that you were able to find a way to like 
massively use technology but also create this human-like experience. I, th I think it really speaks to who you are. And, and, <laughs> and man, I, I, I think this business has just unlimited possibilities. Like, I, I think it's just going to blow up in the best way possible. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and we're trying to do our part to get the word out for you. So. No, I appreciate it. I yes. appreciate it. Cool. Brandon's got one last question for you, Arian. We want to be respectful of your time. We're, sure. we're, you're a very nice guy, but we're going to give you a chance to do something a little out of bounds here. Yes. All right. Yes. So we like to call this segment the 60 second rant or soapbox where you get to just let loose on anything that it could be something you're crazy about, you're annoyed with. It could be you know, it could be the people who drive in the left lane, you know, it could be people who put pineapple on pizza. Those people are nuts, right? You can rant about that. It could be, it could be something that inspires you that you want to put on a billboard. So whatever comes up. Oh man. Okay. So I get 60 seconds on the clock. Yes. I'm, I'm, not, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a, I'm not a big complainer, so it's difficult, but actually I will. Okay. So here, here is something. So, uh, a couple of months ago, I I am an Android phone user, and I switched to an iPhone. Oh, you joined uh, the cult, the I time. see. Yeah, okay. I did, and it was so terrible that I have switched back, and I'm now Thank an you. Android. Oh, no. Yes, it I'm an Android so user bad. as well. So yeah. if you if you want to hear a rant, that's what happened. You know, and so here's the thing. I was super excited to switch to an iPhone because, as we know, I'm a pilot. The, the app that I use to do all of my flight planning is called Four Flight ios only so i was like okay, okay. i'm Fair. gonna switch it's gonna make my life easier great sure. i switched and it was a total nightmare for because i do a lot of running my business from my phone yeah. and i was doing all of these things so the, the my biggest from being a software guy my biggest complaint with ios is like oh great i'm switching to like the industry leader like smartphone like this is going to be great yeah. and just the basic things that it couldn't do i was like pulling my hair out so oh, I, it man. was like I was, it was not putting calls through. I would send emails and Slack messages and then it just like, wouldn't go, uh, wouldn't go through. I was getting, uh, it basically was just quietly swallowing errors and like not telling <laughs> me. So the number of times that I would like reach out to my team, be like, Hey, like I asked somebody to like do this, like what's going on. And they're like, what, what are you talking about? And then I would pull mm. out the phone and be like, Oh, the message never sent. Like uh, it got to the point where I just didn't trust the phone. And so wow. I had, to, I had, I had to get rid of it. So that's my, that's my rant. That was my well, most recent, see, like, the awful phone rant knew, experience. The phone knew. It knew you weren't energetic to connected to it. <laughs> it so it, it just... It's good to see that you came to your senses. You know, you had a blip <laughs> there in your life choices, but you came back to the truth. And No, you're, yeah, you're, you two you. are the guys when you send a group message, make a blue message turn green. Yeah. Yeah, it's just annoying. <laughs> we're, we're those people. But that, that's my biggest, but definitely, like, you know, First world problem, like not a exactly. not right. Like, it's okay though. Exactly, but it's okay. Good. You made the right choice coming back yeah. to us. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Well, I think Aaron, your uh, your URLs are pretty simple. It's uh, it's coachup.com and ignitepost.com, right? Um, exactly. Any, uh, yeah. any any special offers for people if they they uh, they come in? Yeah. Well, so number one, I think just like the coolest thing is if you want to have one of our robots, probably Robert, write a handwritten note and send it to you ignitepost.com and you'll see a button that says send me a free sample hit that so anybody that's listening if they actually want to have one of our robots write write them a letter and send it to them hit that button fill out your address and we'll we'll send you an actual sample that will arrive in real life 
to your doorstep that you can see. So that, that's my biggest recommendation is just go request it. It's free, might, might as well, and see what we're talking about. Love it. What, a, what a great, it's like, uh, it's, it's like all those old infomercials. You just got to do the demonstration, right? Yeah. The demonstration sells it. Totally. Could I send a note to Bob anonymously and call him all kinds of names? Is that possible? You you, you can do anything you want. So okay, again, great. It's, okay, Bob, I mean, you're not going to be any, getting a note from me. Anything that you can write in a letter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, hey, man, um, really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for sharing some yes. of the details of your journey. Um, it's always fascinating. Brandon and I are just always fascinated kind of how people find their way into business and just the diversity of ideas out there. It's like, it just gives us so much hope for humanity when people are coming up with such great ideas and there's good people behind it. So uh, thanks for sharing the time with us and our listeners today. Um, best of luck and for, you know, Coach Up and Ignite Post. Like I said, I think Ignite Post is gonna be something like a lot of people hear about in the future. It's, it's gonna be sorely needed in this world. Awesome, well, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, been an awesome time chatting with you guys so i appreciate it thanks for having me thank you thank you for listening to the innovative founder with bob regnaris and brandon boyd a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.